0: Learn Persian with Chayen Conversation. Growing Up Iruni Interview with Payam Banifaz. Salam My name is Leila Shams, host of Learn Persian with Chayun Conversation, and today's conversation is with Payam Bani Faz. Payam is an actor and comedian based in LA right now, and he's been in a ton of TV shows and movies you've probably seen. Shameless, Silicon Valley, Veep, and most recently, Everything Everywhere at Once, which is absolutely fantastic, by the way. The many of you listening might know him best for his amazing videos depicting growing up in an Iranian-American family with a very Iranian father. He started making these videos in April 2020, and they immediately gained traction and have become such an endearing and poignant depiction of what it's like to grow up in an immigrant Iranian household. I got to ask Payom about his journey to becoming an actor and how he was able to broach this decision with his father. Spoiler alert, it was not easy. Many of you are going to relate so much to this conversation. It's one of those ones where I was smiling the entire time I was editing and didn't want to cut anything out. That's when you know it's going to be good. So without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Payam Banifaz. Payam Banifaz, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Um, Your videos have been such a joy to watch, especially during this period of time. This uh, pandemic time, it's been so fun to every time you post a video, I watch it immediately, show it to my family, show it to my kids.
1: <laughs> I Appreciate like that, thank you. It,
0: it's constant. It's constant joy. So, um, I want to go back to your history and ask about. So, I read that you were born in Iran and you moved to the United States at eight. So, can you talk a little bit about that? What was your upbringing like?
1: So I would, yeah. So I was born in Tehran. My whole family's from Tabriz, the from you know the north of uh. Iran, and uh, but I was born in Tehran. I was born in Tehran, basically, I was born, I think, a year before the, or two years before the Iran-Iraq war started, so when I was growing up, most of what I remember is the war, unfortunately. I don't have a lot of, I have great memories of my family, but I don't have great memories of Iran, per se, because everything was the war, and um, yeah, so like... You know, a lot of the stuff that was happening in, like, Ukraine, a lot of the footage of, like, people sort of huddled in cellars and, like, huddled in, like, subways. Like, that really took me back and um, to my own childhood because I remember yeah. before we left Iran, like, four days a week, we were just in our cellar, in our apartment complex during the bomb uh ratings.
0: Yeah, I completely remember that, too. I remember the sirens and, like, going into mean, So I was there at the same time.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: same. It like triggers me totally. Definitely.
1: Definitely. And I think our whole generation got PTSD like because of that. Definitely. So then because of that, my mom's okay. F this. We're out of here. And then uh, we went to Turkey for like a week. Then from there, got like a visa to go to England. And then we were in England for two years and then got a visa to come to LA. And then we came and we're here ever since.
0: Okay, so you went straight to Tehranjala, straight to the heart.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Although when I first got here, like, I didn't see any Iranians. I actually didn't really you know, interact with any Iranians for a while because where I grew up, they're really in L.A. Uh, I grew up in Canoga Park, which is an area that's like in the San Fernando Valley. And ah. at that time, I, there just really wasn't a lot of Iranians in that region at all. So I didn't really grow up with a lot of Iranians.
0: So when did you learn English?
1: I learned English in England. So, okay. And I, we lived in North London. So I kind of had a North London accent, which is like similar to a Cockney accent. So when I came here, I was like, like, hello, everybody. Like, <laughs> and then so all the kids were like, why do you talk like this? Where are you from? And uh, that's one great thing about being a kid is you pick up language so fast. Like in two years, I learned fluent English pretty much without an Iranian accent in England. And it came here and just had to drop the English accent. (laughs) Um, And the neighborhood I grew up in was predominantly Mexican, El Salvadorian, Filipino, uh, Vietnamese. Um, I also had a lot of uh, black friends and there was a lot of black folks that lived in the neighborhood. So it's like, Those are the people I was interacting with and that's who I learned like English from and that's who I learned like how to be American from.
0: Did you feel like an other or you felt like you were in this diverse mix of people?
1: I thought they made me feel like I was a a part of the mix. They never made me feel like, who the hell are you? And because they didn't understand where I was from, what my culture was, and I didn't understand where they were from, what their culture was, but we both knew that we were different cultures in this new land together and we're Mm -hmm. all immigrant families and... So that just made it really easy. I think it would have probably been harder if I was around, like, mostly white people. No offense mm-hmm. to white people, but, like, they, it would have been harder. And uh, so I was very lucky that I grew up in, like, a very diverse neighborhood because that helped for me to fit in immediately. Because I never realized the U.S. was so diverse. Like, in Iran, we just think everyone in the U.S. is white. Right. And then when I came here, I was like, wow, where are all the white people at? Like. <laughs> And then, but it was great because I got to grow up with this, like, level of diversity around these people that I w- had never met. I d- had never met a Latino Hispanic person. And now suddenly here I was, like, getting embedded in their culture. And it was really, really cool. And they really let me in. And it made it s- that transition so much easier for me.
0: Oh, that's so nice. So you didn't have to do with like, Irani- anti-Iranian sentiment or anything like that?
1: No, because to be honest, like a lot of them didn't care, didn't really (laughs) know what Iranians were. Iranians, anti-Iranian sentiment, I only saw that when, and again, not to bash white people, but when it was around white people. Like that was the only time I, you know, I remember going with my mom and the dad and stuff to this like friendly soccer match between the Iran national team and the U.S. national team in Irvine. This was a long time ago. And there was like people in the stands holding like signs regarding like the hostage crisis of the eighties and like uh-huh. and this was in the nineties. So this is like ten years removed from that. And um and just like Iranians go home and stuff like that. And that was my the first time I'd ever experienced like racism or colorism wow. in that way. Um and I remember asking my mom like what the fuck what is that about? Like, yeah. and it's just, like whatever, you know, like basically they don't understand. They're like scared because of because of the media and stuff like that. But that was the only time I really that's when the first when I first started ex- uh, experiencing like actual like racism sort of or like culturalism or whatever you call it. But I didn't experience it from Latino Hispanic folks or black folks or Asian folks.
0: OK, so then your parents came and they had to learn the language. They had to assimilate to the culture.
1: Sure. But one thing was, again, my family was lucky. So my parents. um my mom got her bachelor's in the US and my dad got his masters in the US. Okay. So and they had lived in Chicago for like several years so when we came here they weren't ah. they were already pretty well versed in sort of like American culture. They spoke the language. So again, we were lucky cuz of that. Because like my parents they basically were sort of like what a lot of young Iranians would do during the 70s and the early 80s is come to the US, study, get their degree and go back to Iran cuz Iran was a great country. They nobody had a reason to like leave. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I I mean, it's still a great country, but you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not the way it used to be, I guess, from what, like my parents and I'm sure your parents like tell you about it. And then, so, yeah, so we didn't really experience a major culture clash that like some immigrants do. Luckily we came here Mm -hmm. and kind of got it. Got it. The hardest part is that in Iran, we were like upper middle class, kind of well off and came mm-hmm. here and we were poor. And that transition was difficult because right, right. I'd never been poor in my life. Right. And then suddenly we're in this crappy apartment and we couldn't afford all the things that I would see on TV that I wanted as a kid. Yeah. We couldn't, you know, like my dream was when I was a little boy to get like a Sega Genesis game console, right. That felt like almost impossible to get. So like, that's, that was the hardest part. I feel like coming here and for my parents too i'm sure
0: and what was their what was y'all's relationship with iranian culture here did you continue speaking the persian language did you celebrate noruz what did y'all do
1: yeah yeah we came you know we so like i had some aunts here and we had some family here and and uh seeing them and just sort of like yeah we never stopped sort of embracing our own culture you know Mm -hmm. um i do think now that time has gone by like We don't, like, jump over fire anymore for Josh Ambasuti and, like, stuff like that. I think some of that has gone to the wayside just because I think laziness, everyone's busy. (laughs) But, like, but, no, that culture always stuck with us. And And I think, especially for my parents, they wanted us to still speak Farsi, understand Farsi, still embed ourselves in our own culture. Because I think there's that fear that, like, your children will lose their identity if they suddenly come to a completely different place and have to totally embrace another culture, leaving their own behind. So I think my parents did a good job of sort of like, we're in the U.S., we need to embrace this, but there's no reason for us to let go of of the joy of our own culture, too.
0: Okay. So you all still speak Farsi together? Yeah. And you never rebelled against that and were like, I'm just speaking English?
1: When I... No. What I did rebel against is like, hey, I'm not taking any more of these Farsi classes. (laughs) Baba up, anymore, like... (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> like I'm trying to learn what like like how to speak proper American English. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and my parents were like at first fought me on it and they're finally like, okay, fine. But looking back now, I really wish I did continue because unfortunately I'm illiterate. I can't read or write Farsi. I can really? literally like bubble up and you I can You were there until eight.
0: So you did learn it there, right? You just I lost did learn it. A little bit okay. there
1: and then came here and then they took Farsi classes a little bit here and then I stopped. So I regret that. I but at the time, it was just kind of like, I don't know. I was just trying to become like an American. Yeah. You know, when you're a kid, main thing is like fitting in. So I just wanted totally. to fit in. And uh, so, yeah. But I do regret not learning uh, how to speak or write.
0: Right. And you have siblings, too?
1: I do have siblings, yeah.
0: What about them? Do you speak farsi per- with them or do you speak English? Yeah,
1: like- I, we speak in- we speak English together. But okay. we can also... Farsi, and it's like, yeah, my brother speaks really good Farsi, too, so like, again, but he can't really read or write either. He can write better and read, write better than me, because he was older in Iran, but, yeah, I, I think that we just, like, our family just basically speaks English and Farsi in sort of equal amounts, Right. to be honest. Yeah.
0: Right, right, right. Okay, so now now let's go to growing up. So, you got to college. What did you study in college?
1: I got to college and... I, you know, was a little bit sort of lost in terms of what the hell do I want to really do with my life? But growing up Iranian, obviously I was like, well, whatever I do, I have to be successful and I have to make money. Right. So that was the number one thing. Right. So I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. This looks like it's too hard. So I'm going to be a lawyer. Not that being a lawyer is easy, but at least it's less science and math and crap like that. Right. And then, um. So I studied political science and uh, I got my BA in it and I was planning to go to law school. And then I just never went to law school. <laughs> I mean, I—I I, here's the thing. I think I knew for a long time that I loved the idea of being in films and performing and stuff like that. I just didn't know if it was something that was even possible. Uh, it felt impossible. It felt like a, just like a dream, like flying or something like that. So I, I just didn't. Yeah, so I had this passion for this thing that I was afraid to put act- action into. It really wasn't until like I graduated, got my bachelor's, started working a little bit, and I was like, wait, I think I know what it is that I really want to do. I'm just very, very afraid to take that first step to pursue it because I knew, especially from my parents, especially from my dad, it was just going to be like a hellstorm. So I still went and got my master's too. Uh, I got my master's in business business administration, which I've never used. I just kind of, it's hanging in my room, uh, the degree. (laughs) But that I did sort of to like appease my parents to a certain extent while I was trying to pursue actually becoming an actor.
0: Yeah. So that's what I'm wondering. So what was the conversation with your parents? Like, how did you get to the point where you actually did it?
1: I'll never forget. We were having dinner at a restaurant and my dad was asking plans about law school. It was like, when you got to take your LSAT, this, that? And then I just kind of got quiet. And he's like, wait, what's your problem? And I was like, uh, I've made a decision. I think I want to, you know, I'm going to be an actor. And then he kind of just like paused. And then he was just like, I think you've lost your mind. He's like, I think you've literally gone crazy finally. And uh, he was extremely disappointed and upset. He was just like, I, he really thought I lost my mind. He's like, "Are you crazy?" Like, he's it was like, nobody wants to see someone like. He's like, the sad part is, no one wants to see someone like you on TV. They don't want to see us. Like, nobody's interested in that. So, like, whether you know, so basically, saying you're living in a fantasy world, and you're never going to make it. And it sounds really mean, but he wasn't trying to be mean. He was just very, very concerned. Right. um nobody in my entire family has ever pursued anything in entertainment ever nobody that we even knew had ever done that so like and it's the thing is like when you're iranian you're a middle eastern like and you young and let's say you want someone to look up to entertainment who do you have nobody right. you have nobody you know because during that time there was no Maz ronnie
0: right
1: or there was um so you had nobody so um that's why it was so difficult for my, for my dad, especially my dad. My mom was more like, all right, give it a shot. Give it a shot, whatever. You know, I, she was on the fence too, but my dad was just like, you're crazy. This is the stupidest thing you could possibly do and you're going to fail. And he was right to a certain extent because I failed for like a long time. And I was poor for a very long time. But um, I just knew that once I started doing it and learning it, then I was like, wait, I can do this. I can do it. Because when I first told my dad I want to do this, I didn't even know if I could do this. But once I started training and, like, going through the, the motions of it and, and committing myself to it, then I was like, no, I can do this. But he still wasn't on board. And he, he wouldn't be on board for a long time. And now? He's very on board. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's very on board. He's very proud. And he's very, very happy. And he's always telling people about it. And, like, he's one of my – he loves, like, the videos I make. Even though, like, the videos are supposed to be making fun of him a lot of right. the times. Uh, he loves them. Also, my videos like they poke fun at my dad in a very, very overblown, exaggerated way. Like right. my father is certainly not the guy that you see in the, my Instagram videos.
0: Right, right. And I told I told you this a little bit. I I feel like with your videos, it's there. They are kind of making fun of it, and they're poking fun at it a little bit. But I always feel like there's such kindness in them. Like I, it, you know, some people they make videos about their parents or, or immigrants, and it's there's a tinge of meanness in it, but mm-hmm. I never feel that from your videos. And even, you know, when I show my my mom these videos, cause it's obviously very relatable to me too. It's never in a way that she like gets offended. She just laughs about it and she can see a little bit of herself in it. And I feel like there's just some magic in your videos that they're not mean, they're really kind. And I really appreciate that about them.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: Hello, Layla here with a quick break to tell you about our program. Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation. Chai Conversation started out as a language learning podcast in 2010 and has since grown to become a multimedia platform with resources to not only learn the Persian language, but also about Iranian culture, Persian poetry, and much, much more. These interviews are only a small part of what we provide, so I hope you join us on our website at chaiinconversation.com with Chai spelled C-H-A-I to find all we have to offer one great way to keep in touch is to join our mailing list for weekly emails to motivate you on your language learning journey or to follow us on Instagram at conversation.com Now, back to our conversation.
1: I also feel like we all go through the same thing. I've had people say to me, like, wow, like, how do you know how, like, all these parents act? Like, how do you know? And I'm like, I don't. All I know is how my how yeah. the people in my family act and that's right. it and it just so happens all our families act the same there's this cultural base that we all yes. share but yes. I have no greater understanding of of Iranian culture in that way than anybody else you know right. like
0: Well and and you were just in uh, everything everywhere at once I was listening to a um interview with Michelle Yeoh and she was saying how You know, there's a scene in there where she has an argument with her daughter, but and then she wants to go, you know, talk to her. She wants to make a connection with her. But then as soon as she's face to face with her, the only thing she can say is, you're getting fat. And I think that, you know, there's like so much love behind it. And there's so much she wants to say so much. But the only thing she can say is, you're getting fat. And I feel like that's exactly what your videos are. You just see the love. You can see the intention. But then it's like the thing that the dad says is not that, (laughs) you know, so it's. It's very relatable
1: <laughs> right, I, I do feel like like our parents' generation there is just like there is a gap between how they feel and how they're able to like process it yes, right, you know, and so yes. it's like a lot of times growing up, my dad would show his love in like you you messed this up, or what are you doing so but that's how he that's all he kind of knew, and so yes. it's like once I grew up and I understood that. Um, And I think as adults, once we gain awareness and empathy for what our parents went through, it's easier to go, "Eh, okay, I get it. Like, yes, I love it. You know, it could, some of that is probably in today's standards considered emotional abuse. (laughs) (laughs) Not to laugh at abuse, but like, I guess intent is so important, right? Yes. Like when the intent is right, but maybe the behavior is not. It's, it's, it's more excusable than the other way that's around. That's a
0: great way to put it. Oh, that's exactly what it is.
1: Yeah. So it's like, oh, my dad maybe in some times maybe he was, would get angry, act like a jerk. But it was always because he loved me. He cared for me. Yeah. He was worried about me. And uh, especially as I get older, I can reconcile that. And yeah. it's easier to understand sort of why they acted the way they did when I was growing up.
0: And however it was, they gave you the confidence to do this, to, to you know, set your boundaries and say, like, this is what I'm going to do, despite all these, you know, oppositions.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, I was scared as hell, like, when I made this decision. I remember I was sitting in my bedroom. I had so much anxiety, and I was, I literally just broke down crying because I knew that I was like, okay, if I commit myself to this, it's going to be a tough road. And it's like, you know, when you want to be a doctor, it's not easy, but you know how to do it lawyer, you know how to do it. There is a path. In my business, there is no path. Right. It's one you literally just forge yourself and just hope that you sort of get there. Luckily, I've, I've gone to a position where it's like the path is really clear and I know exactly where I'm going and I'm very confident in the outcome. But at that time, I was like, man, because it's one of those industries where it's like, there are so many barriers to entry.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know, the the luckiest people are the ones who had had a parent or something or a relative or somebody that was in the industry, so it knocks down some of those barriers. But even that person still has to go through a lot to be able to get to a certain place. Right. But someone like me, who like I was like, I don't see another single soul like me on television <laughs> or in films. It's like, how am I going to break in? But it right. was just sort of like, I either do this or I wake up one day when I'm fifty years old, miserable that I didn't at least attempt this, you know? Right.
0: And that's why I think it's great to have these conversations. I think it's, you know, I think a lot of people are still going through, there, there's more faces, like you said, there's Maz Jobrani, there's you, there's more uh, more people that you can look to now, but it's still very difficult, I think. I mean, it's the UCLA did a
1: study, the UCLA did a diversity study on Middle Easterns in film and television, and we we made up less than 1%. Wow. Less than 1%. When we are fully embedded in American culture now, we're your doctors, we're your lawyers, we're your dentists, we're your engineers, we're the people who designed the freaking phone in your hand and like a lot of the elements of it and we're in tech and everything like that. Well, we can't be in entertainment. If we're doing all these things in this culture, why can't we also be entertaining you? Why can't we be on film and television? Right,
0: right.
1: Why not? Like, there's no reason that we're all... As fully embedded in this culture, where just as American as everybody else, and we deserve our share of the pie too. The idea—it's one percent less than one wow. percent—blows my mind.
0: Yeah, wow! I didn't know that because now it seems like there's a lot. I mean, there's Riz Ahmed doing it, but you know, yeah, that's what they're all saying too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but m- m- w- things are changing. I think diversity is becoming more important. People want to start seeing diverse stories told by those diverse people themselves. So it's right. like things are getting better, right. but we still got some ways to go.
0: So now you worked a few years. Uh, when would you say that, uh, I guess you were in some really big things, Shameless and, and a lot of big series on television. Uh, when did you feel like you had got your foot in, in the door?
1: I would say around like 2016 is when okay. I was like, and okay. now things are sort of moving in the direction that I need them to I'm making money I'm able to pay my bills I'm able to pay my mortgage I'm a, you know so like from it so that and being able starting off just being able to pay your bills through acting is a big thing so that was my goal and once I hit that I was like okay great and then now I'm just luckily in the, in a very good position to just keep working my way up um great. but it took a long time to get there and it was a lot of <laughs> blood sweat and tears yeah so like, yeah Uh, but like with anything, I guess, you know, but yeah, 2016 was when, when a lot of things started coming together.
0: Okay. So then 2020 hits and that's the pandemic. So now I want to talk
1: about,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about, uh, you, how, how you came up with this idea of making these videos. When did you start? What was the first spark?
1: Uh, I think I started in April of 2020.
0: Okay. Wow. So you're sitting alone in your apartment. (laughs)
1: Alone in my apartment looking at like COVID news, you know, I, I do a lot of live shows, like a lot of, uh, do a lot of long form improv. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I do, I was, I'd be doing like four live shows a week, tons of auditions, this, that, then suddenly nothing because everything was shut down and I felt bored and nervous and like lonely and sort of like anxious about the future. And I, and I had no creative outlet. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to just post like some silly videos. And then I posted them and then later on I was like, "You know what? I want to post some like some kind of cultural comedic thing just so that my friends, cuz most of my friends are in in industry and none of them are Iranian." So I was like, "I want them to kind of check out my culture and laugh with me w- with it and stuff like that." Okay. But I didn't think anybody other than my friends would watch it. And then I just started posting little things like about my dad and then like little <laughs> other sort of videos that were sort of culturally representative like where I was coming from and um little by little people just started watching them and like sharing them and like and like commenting and like following me and stuff and it just kind of like took off from there but i again i had no i don't know i did not think people would watch it other than my friends and that's it right. so that's kind of really how it started
0: so before you started posting the videos what was your relationship with the Iranian community were most of your friends not Iranian or what was your
1: No, most of my uh, I would say, a couple of my very close friends from back in the days are Iranian and who I'm still in contact with and I still see regularly. But in general, majority of the people I'm around and the environments around, uh, people aren't Iranian.
0: Like the work that you were doing was definitely not like on Iranian shows or anything like that.
1: No, no, there's there's no such thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, so how is that? How has that changed? Because I see you very much as like an integral part of Iranian community now. So, so what's been going on with that?
1: Uh, I mean, it's interesting, you know, it's really cool. People have shown me an immense level of support and I'm very, very thankful for it. It's especially nice because it wasn't something that was necessarily seeking out. It just kind of came to me and that's kind of what makes it so special to me. And people's support has like been just incredible. Like I get so many nice messages from people and like, People, especially in L.A., I get recognized on the street a lot, cause, which just shows how many, <laughs> so many Iranians in L.A. <laughs> it's cool. Um, but my relationship is very different now. You know, it it made me, weird to say, made me, I, I've always been proud of being an Iranian, but it made me even more proud. And it made mm-hmm. me feel even more connected because now I'm connected. I used to be connected to my friends and family that were Iranian. Now I feel connected to Iranians in general. I feel connected to strangers on the street wow. who come up to me. And then, and people in like Europe and Australia and Canada. And like, I have people in Iranians in Mexico who live in Mexico, Iranians who live in Brazil. Like these are like, I never realized how this, the diaspora effect of like the revolution in Iran caused us to go everywhere. Right. Like we are people that our homes are all over the world sort of, but like, we're also still embedded in our culture, which brings us together. I mean, yeah, it's really cool. It's just, it's really, really special. And it's really, really humbling. The other, a while, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a bar with some friends. It's like little, like hole in the wall in Hollywood. And I, I order a drink and I go to pay for it. And the bartender says, no, that gentleman just paid for it. And I look over there and I see a dude. And he's like, waves at me like this. And he gives me this. And like, I, I could tell right off the bat he was Iranian. And he, could, he knew me. And it was just like such a cool moment. It was such a like, cool, I don't know. It, it really makes me feel good and again it's made me even giving me even more pride and also more knowledge like of the culture and like i've got to like interact with some other iranian artists which is really cool musicians and like actors and writers and so yeah if i feel closer to my more closer to my culture than i've ever felt as an adult yeah and it's all thanks to the support of these folks so i, I feel very privileged for that
0: that's wonderful and you touched on this a little bit before but do you think it's important to know the Persian language? Like, the, what's your relationship with it now? Like, do you speak it regularly? How do you feel about it?
1: I think it is important. I think it is important to have a knowledge of your culture and who you are, where you're from. You know, I don't think your culture is everything. I don't think, I think we're all still individuals. And like, we look at culture and language as a way to define ourselves. They don't fully define us, but they're a big part of us. And like, I just, I feel like being away from Iran, being completely sort of out of that, not living in our culture, I think it's important to still embed aspects of our culture into our, our lives here. Let's say for me, like here in the U.S., we come from a, like such a deep, ancient, beautiful culture, and it's a shame for us to lose any of that. And it's easy to lose it when you're, you know, in another country. And I do think it's important to for us to sort of retain at least parts of our heritage. You know what? There's also bad parts of our heritage. I say we lose those and we retain the stuff that's great. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But no, I I do think it's really important for us to like be knowledgeable about our culture and like the language and like I'm saying this at the same time I'm literally illiterate. I can't read or write. So someone might be saying like once you practice what you preach. But at the very least I'm I I know the language and I'm learning it more and more just interacting with more Iranians, like, my vocabulary is getting better and nice. whatnot. And um.
0: And I have to say, like, your videos, too, they hit differently if you know the words that you're saying in Farsi versus if you're just reading the, the subtitles. There's so many words that are just so, that are not translatable, right. that like,
1: are p- how do you, p- oh, like How amazing. do you, like, your burnt father, or what do you, what do you yeah. say? There's no way to yeah. describe Another thing is, like, like somebody wants to describe, and it wasn't an even Iranian, I believe it was, I forgot who it was, that described Farsi as like the language of poetry. And that is such a beautiful way to describe Farsi. It's the yeah. most poetic language. It's like we'll have one word, one word will describe so many things that would take like three sentences in English to describe. Yeah. And like, it's no, you know, it's no wonder we have some of the greatest poets. At, in the history of the written of any written language, which is beautiful, when I still see people posting things about Rumi and Hafez, I'm like after thousands of years later, or hundreds of years later, whatever it was. But yeah, it makes me feel real good. Yeah.
0: So, what's your uh, hope for the diaspora in the future? What are what are things you're working on? How do you hope that we can continue to develop?
1: I my hope is this is a, something I'm very passionate about is the fact that over the last 45 years. You will never see in a media headline the word Iran next to anything positive. It's always, I don't know, uranium enrichment and all that crap. So like my my ultimate goal is to put myself in a position where it's like people who aren't Iranian will sort of look to me and to some of my peers and, and sort of and we can help cast a whole different light on Iranian culture and who Iranians are and what the sort of the global opinion is about our culture and who we are. And I hope to see, and, and one thing is I hope to see Iranians keep being successful in the fields of, of entertainment, medicine, politics. I would love to see, I, I hope to see more, like let's say American born Iranians become politicians in this country and get in mm-hmm. government and get in positions to be able to create laws to be able to sort of like create a a positive image of who we Iranians are, and then for me, just sort of the representation on film and television, I think will be huge. I think will be huge, like globally, so right. that not only Iranians but also all Middle Easterns have people and ideas and things to aspire to. But then non-Iranians will look and be like, "Oh no, Iranians are great! Haven't you seen that one show about that their, that family? Yeah, right. like, and it's like." I know it's just like TV and entertainment, but it becomes such a powerful tool in the zeitgeist of society. So if you're looking at somebody on TV and you like them and, and you like their culture, you're going to associate all people to a certain extent after a while. Okay. With that. It'll take some time, but that's my ultimate goal to just be in a position where people will laugh with us, cry with us, but be like, but not fear us right. or look down at us or speculate things about our culture that just aren't true because they've read it somewhere in in some stupid magazine who doesn't respect our culture enough to present it in the the right light. And yeah, and uh, I think the more we represent for Iranians on a global level, we also help the Iranians in Iran who are going through a lot and have been going through a lot for decades and sort of be their voice. You know, they really don't have a voice on the global stage, unfortunately.
0: Wonderful. So what are you working on right now? I saw that you guys have a um, a Stephen King adaptation coming out <laughs> with all the star Iranians. That looks like a lot of fun.
1: Um, I, I, I worked with some really great Iranian performers on that. Uh, okay. Mazibani's in it, Tehran, uh, my good friend Tara Grammy. Yeah, so that's I believe that's coming out later this year. towards. Okay end of summer and it's um, it's a, a Iranian the first Iranian adaptation of any Stephen King story and wow. Stephen King actually granted them personally a, a license for them to be able to remake it it's it's wow. an old um, Stephen King short story sort of like about Sherlock Holmes okay. type thing and uh, so that uh, yeah that was really great working with it was pretty much a mostly Iranian cast and mm-hmm. Writers and directors and producers. It was it was a really great experience.
0: And you're continuing to make videos. Hopefully, yes, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Um, I I, unfortunately like I'm not as prolific as I was. Uh, It's just I've just gotten busier and it's harder to be as prolific, I guess. But I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna continue to do at this very point because. It makes me happy to see that it makes people happy, and so it's something that I'm gonna be consistent with I'm gonna do my best with that and then also, I'm working on developing a few of my own shows for t v so just gonna great do that yeah absolutely
0: great so where where's the best place for people to find out about her find you and find out about the future? i think on instagram
1: i I'll always sort of put down what I'm working on and then when I have shows coming up uh and which then is, just sort of the videos
0: which is Bonnie, like P B A
1: Bonnie on Instagram, p b a n i yeah. um I. am also on TikTok, and uh, yeah, I you know have shows coming up in uh, L A. So if uh, people who are in L A. who would like to come, I'll, I always sort of post my show schedules on Instagram, and yeah, they can find me there.
0: We'll link to all of that on the show notes for this podcast. Thank you so much for talking with me today. It was really so enjoyable. had a
1: great time. Thank you. I learned
0: a lot. All right. And Love good me. luck with everything in the future.
1: You too. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Bye.
0: Again, thank you all so much for listening to this wonderful conversation with Payam. Please join us on Instagram at conversation.com with Chai spelled C-H-A-I and visit our website at conversation.com. We'll have links to all this on our show notes for this podcast. This episode was edited by Chadwick Wood. Our theme music was written and performed by Babak Rajabi. And I'm your host, Leila Shams. Until next time, khud hafiz.